Please uh, turn with me in God's holy word. Our first scripture passage is found in Luke chapter 2, reading verses 41 to 52. The events when Jesus and, together with Mary and Joseph, were to leave Jerusalem and go back to Nazareth. You know the story, how it, how it goes. Uh, God's word to us, uh, Luke chapter 2 reading at verse uh, 41 to verse 52. And there we will focus on verses 48 to 52 in our sermon. God's holy word. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy, Jesus, lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was the third, that that after Three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why do you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And then we turn also to Galatians, sorry, Ephesians chapter 6, and the first nine verses we read. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 9. The Apostle Paul writes to the church, and for our sake as well, he writes, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you masters do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven. And there is no partiality with him. Thus far, we read. And then we look at Lord's Day 39 of the Heidelberg Catechism. 
found on page 555 in the back of your books of praise. We consider this afternoon the fifth commandment, question 104 from Lord's Day 39. What does God require in the fifth commandment? That I show all honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me. Submit myself with due obedience to their good instruction and discipline and also have patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. And then if we flip back a few pages to page 551, we have there the commandments given to us in Lord's Day 34. And I read to you the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments. Number five is, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Uh, brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, you are all familiar with the idea that nobody, nobody really is above the law. Police officers are not above the law, nor are judges, nor magistrates, not even prime ministers are above the law, not even kings are above the law. It's a rather in interesting thing that when King Darius made a decree back in those days that if any man would pray to any other god except himself that man should be thrown into the lion's den and of course you know what happened Darius made a royal decree and it could not be altered no matter what even Darius was subject to his own law he had to keep it as well such were the such were the laws of the Medes and the Persians and it says something to us, congregation, of the, of the importance of law and of, the, and of the force and the thrust and the place of law within humanity. God has grained even the works of the law, inscribing them upon the human heart. And thus we are always under authority of some kind, a law of some sort, whether, whether instituted by man or given to us by God himself. We know that uh, Paul had to remind the, the uh, the slaves in Greek society that uh, they had a master over them and he had to remind the masters in Greek society guess what you too have a master over you and he is the one who sits in heaven you too are under authority no matter how high how big how wise you think you are here we have a master in heaven who we must honor and that brings us to our subject this afternoon, the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother that it may be well with you. That's our theme, and it's not simply another law, but it is the truth of God for our lives, the holy truth from his holy word, whereby we learn about authority and law and obedience, all these very good necessary things in our life. And, and where do we first begin to learn about authority and law and obedience? Well, like most things, we begin to learn about it at home. From who? Our moms and our dads. That's where we learn these things. And that's how God has, has formed and shaped that, that fifth commandment, aware of the fact that what he knows the authority of fathers and mothers are, that he has given to them, that they may institute his law for the sake of not only their children, but his own covenant children. Honor your father and your mother, 
that it may be well with you. And how important that was for Israel as they were about to enter the promised land, as they were about to be a different people from all the Canaanites around them, where they were to let their light shine before men, where they were to have a divine wisdom and a holiness and a law and order about them that was like nothing else that the world had ever seen before. If Israel was to be a light and a salt upon the earth and among their own people, they had to have something about them that was unique, an authority given to them, an authority to practice and manifest it that came from God himself. And how could they shine? How could there be a light and a salt in that dark pagan world of Canaan but by keeping the fifth commandment, the fifth Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. This commandment has been around for 3,500 years already, and it still stands for us today just as important as the first day it was spoken by God from Mount Sinai. A commandment that we are to keep As children, you who are children, you who are teenagers, and we who are adults have to keep it just in the same as well, all of us under God's authority. And so let us first consider, congregation, with regard to the fifth commandment, what really is its essence? What really does it consist of? Well, the catechism gives a biblical answer in question 104. What does God require in the fifth commandment? that I show all honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and to my mother. Love, honor, faithfulness. That's the essence, that's the stuff, the spiritual stuff of this particular law. And that's the reason and the motivation we have as well for the keeping of the first whole table of the law that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, our mind, and our strength, and we keep that first table of the law so that we're also able to keep the second table of the law, which is to love our neighbor as ourself. Our neighbor as ourself. And that's where the fifth commandment begins to impact our lives as we turn to that second table of loving my neighbor as myself. Notice how the fifth commandment that Moses gave us is, is the first commandment of the second table of the law. It has to do with our neighbor. And young children, your first neighbor is guess who? It's your mom and it's your dad. First neighbors to you kids. God commands that you love your father and your mother. And if you love them, you know what? You'll be able to honor them a whole lot easier too. And if you can love them and honor them, then it will also be a lot easier to obey them. That's, what that, that's part and parcel of that faithfulness, to love our father, to, to honor our father and our mother with, with honor and love and with faithfulness. This is to say you're, you're genuine about loving your mom and your dad and, and about honoring them. You're honest with them. You're loyal to them. And this simply put congregation is God's holy will for you. This was the very holy attitude that Jesus had when he was a 12-year-old boy and he was on his way to Jerusalem with his father and mother to go to the feast. By the way, this already had been his attitude since he was old enough to even talk. 
or even to think. This holy attitude our Lord Jesus Christ had when his parents began looking for him and he wasn't to be found anywhere, they went back to Jerusalem and after three days, you know where they found him, in the temple. He was listening to the teachers and he was asking them questions, asking the teachers of the law. And they were all astonished at his understanding and his answers, we read in verse 47. Astonished they were. And then Luke goes on to describe the scene. He says, when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother and father said, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. They were really worried about Jesus. Where, where, where is he? What's he doing? And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Jesus had some explaining to do to his mother and his father. He had to explain to them that he already was beginning to be about his father's business. The very reason why he came to this world, he now was already beginning to, 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 to do. And he had to explain that to his sinful parents, who, however, had his very best interest in their own hearts for him. Jesus would have been aware of that too, that they loved him so, they had authority over him, and so we read how he became submissive to them, Jesus being a 12-year-old boy already yet, or nevertheless with perfect obedience, began to again do their will. We read in verse 51, but they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them, and then he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. The reason why Luke speaks about Jesus uh, increasing in, in favor with God and with men is because God found favor with Jesus because he was obedient to his parents. And that showed he was obedient to his Father who is in heaven. He honored his parents because he loved them, and he loved them because he loved his Father in heaven. And so Jesus, by his obedience, God increasingly began to favor him favor him in the presence of men, namely first off his own mom and dad, but in the process as he was obedient to them, he increased in favor before God his Father in heaven too. He grew in this favor of, 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 of receiving that from his Father who was in heaven and from men in general. And though Joseph and Mary were sin sinful parents uh, just like us, Jesus obeyed them. The word subject in uh, verse uh, 51 could also be translated as submissive or being in submission to. Jesus was in submission to them. He kept himself under the parental authority of his father and his mother. If they would have said to Jesus, well, Jesus, 8 o'clock is bedtime, then Jesus went to bed at 8 o'clock. No questions asked. No questions needed to be asked. No, 
no quarreling to do, because Jesus was a perfect child. It was evident by his obedience to them. We would say Jesus obeyed the fifth commandment, the very commandment that you kids are supposed to obey. Jesus had to obey it too. In that sense, he's no different than you. He had to submit to the law just like each one of us do. And just as you teenagers have to do. And just like we as adults have to do. And you know what? If Jesus had not kept the fifth commandment, there's no way in the world he could have ever been our savior to save us from our sin of our breaking the fifth commandment. The fact that we would break the fifth commandment already makes us worthy of everlasting hell. It does. Never mind all the other commandments that we break too. And so you see what kind of a savior we need. One who is man, one who is truly God, one who is completely obedient to the entire law of his heavenly father in complete obedience. The one who alone therefore is only righteous. That's the kind of Savior we need. That's the kind of salvation we need, one that He would procure for us on account of His perfect obedience. But having said that, and by means of God's grace within us, we too now must, in effect, turn around and keep the fifth commandment as well. Why? Out of gratitude that we've been saved from condemnation from, from being condemned because how often we've broken this fifth commandment ourselves. And when we keep that commandment, that's not legalism. That's simply obedience to God. And as we live in obedience to God, we can have the hope that also God's favor increasingly is being set upon us too, like it was to his only begotten son when he was only 12 years old. What a thing we have here, congregation, and it needs more discussion, you might say, than just a narrative like that, and that's exactly what Paul writes about in Ephesians chapter 6. As we go there and we read just simply verse 1 at the outset, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, and that's what this Lord's day also rests upon. What does God require in the fifth commandment? That I show all honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and my mother. Paul says, this is right. In other words, this is good. This is the way it's supposed to be. This is how God intends our homes to function. This is what our homes are to look like. By his grace, of course, where children obey the parents because it's right. It's the most natural way to behave in your own house, children, that you honor, that you love, that you're faithful to your father and your mother. You love them truly, sincerely, honestly, from your own heart. Not because you're simply told to do so, but you, you really love your mom and dad. And that's what, that's what the heart of this fifth commandment is. You know, if you'd flip that around and let's say you don't love your parents all that much, well, you know what? You wouldn't honor them very much either. And you wouldn't obey them all that much either. Maybe that explains your disobedience, kids. You're not loving your father and your mother. You're not honoring them as God would want you to do so when God's favor is not resting upon you as it might rest upon you if you truly loved your parents from your, from, from, from your own heart. Paul says a very important thing. Obey your parents 
in the Lord, for, for this is right. This is good. And yet, as sinful creatures, we don't naturally do this very good thing to obey our father and our mother. Those people who brought us into the world, so to speak, and who care for us so much. What does that leave us now to do except have this commandment kind of stare us in the face while we need to get on our knees and also pray? We pray for all sorts of things, but when was the last time you prayed, children and teenagers? When, when was the last time you prayed to earnestly obey your parents in the Lord because you know it's right? When have you prayed for the Holy Spirit to give you the determination to deny your own will and to obey your father and mother because the Bible says it's the right thing to do? Something to pray for. Something to not forget. Well, let's move on to verse 2, Ephesians 6. Paul says, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Notice this fifth commandment, he's calling it here the first commandment. Children, this is the first commandment for you. Even though it's number five in the Ten Commandments, for you this is the first one. Why? Because this is the first commandment as young children you really have to deal with. It's like the first commandment kind of hits you in the face because your father and mother are telling you what you need to do and what you may not do and what's right and what's good. The law of God comes to you children and teenagers through the mouth of your father and your mother. That's why God commands them that you raise them with this law and with this teaching. It's your father and mother who guide you. They are the ones who warn you about things good and bad. They are the ones who teach you what's right and what's wrong. It's your parents that tell you what to believe and what to reject, what's wise and what's foolish, what is good and what is awful. Your parents teach you these things that you might be shaped by these commandments, for they are the Word of God. And they teach you these things because they love you. But furthermore, they also know that God commands them to raise you in the fear of the Lord. Because, young children, you first belong to God, then only secondly to your parents. You are first God's covenant children, whom God calls His own. He gives you even His laws to demonstrate it, and He also attaches the promises to it as well, a promise. Notice what Paul says, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise. We'll get into that promise in a moment, but simply I wish to say at this particular moment that this promise is already communicated to you in your baptism. A promise in which you may obtain the forgiveness of all your sins through the blood of Christ that was shed and through the washing of the Holy Spirit, through faith in that Messiah that He has provided for you. And so it makes good sense to honor your father and your mother because as you honor them, there's also attached this promise that it's going to be well with you if you keep it. And so here's the first commandment for you children. You don't have to go looking very far to find what they all look like and sound like. Start with this one. Honor your father and your mother. 
whether you're five years old or eight or 10 or 15 or 20, you name it. And in truth, we who are elderly folks, we too have a commandment to keep. It has a different character to it, of course, when we are older, but the essence is still the same. And its obligations similarly as well. And so what, to sum up, is the heart of this commandment? To love, to honor, to be faithful to them. The Catechism teaches us to respect them highly, to value them as God's gifts to you, to be kind to your mother, to be kind and cheerful to your father, to be humble to them, to accept their wisdom and their knowledge. They know so much more about life than you do, especially when you're a young fellow or a young lady. They know so much more, and they will love you more than you'll ever realize. Honor them as God's instruments of grace to you for your good and for your salvation. Remember how Timothy learned the words of salvation from his, his grandmother and his mother, Eunice and Lois. He learned of that grace of God from his mom and from grandma. How important it is to learn at the feet of those who are above us, parents and grandparents, for the sake of our salvation. And so, brothers and sisters, obey their authority and gladly. And think of Jesus, who was subject to his parents. He followed them obediently, and he went home to Nazareth, and he continued on in his life, his schooling, under their, their nurturing and their teaching and so forth. But now, secondly, how far does this commandment actually go? How far does it reach into our lives, if you will? Well, it includes all who are in authority over you and me. Again, question 104 asks, what does God require in the fifth commandment? That I show all honor, love, faithfulness to my father and mother and to all those who are in authority over me, that I submit myself with due obedience to their good instruction and discipline. This commandment covers every level of authority that we would find in society today. Any form of rule or government that God puts over us. And so parents, it's just as important that you obey the laws of the land as you expect your children to obey the laws that you lay down for them. There cannot be a distinction there. You obey the laws of the land as your, as your children obey your rules as well. And you'd be a pretty poor example, parents, if you did not obey the laws of the land, if you, for example, were disrespecting of the police officer, if you had little regard for him, if you had disrespect or little regard for the elder in the church, how, how might you expect your child to have a good attitude towards those who are in authority over him as well? Might your child not say to you, well, Dad, if you don't obey the, the, the rules of, of the police officer, of those in charge over you, how can you expect me to obey you? How can you expect me to obey the elders in the church if you don't respect them either? You see how the fifth commandment has, has implications for all of life in all our human relationships and in all those right relationships where we want to teach our children what good relationships look like to those who are in authority over them. 
Ephesians 6 verse 5 kind of spells out some of these various levels of authority in society. Verse 5, bondservants, meaning those servants who are bound to their masters like a slave in ancient, in ancient Israel or ancient Greek society. Bondservants, he says, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, meaning according to how you live in this life in terms of your human relationship to your to your to your master. And Paul says, with fear and trembling, as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants or slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, hey, there's faithfulness, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Paul teaches us how we must be sincere. Sincerity is the kind of thing that is in the heart. To have respect and obedience for those who are in authority over us with a sincere goodwill or conscience. Whether it's your boss at work or your employer, whether it's the teacher in the classroom, we're not simply to obey these people because they're looking at us and seeing are we, are we doing our homework or are we goofing around. We don't, do not simply do that out of eye service, Paul says, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. We're to obey the teacher in the classroom or our, or our boss at work as if that person was Jesus Christ himself standing right in front of you. As unto the Lord, Paul says in verse 5. That is how we obediently carefully fulfill our responsibilities, our duties, our work, our service unto them. And thus, congregation, we see how authority and respect and honor being taught in the home, that's where it starts. From there, it's then transplanted by God's good grace and providence into every other area of life where you find yourself in relationship to people and are called upon to work or to produce some kind of service. Catechism says, in effect, wherever God places you, there submit myself, there you submit yourself with due obedience to their good instruction and notice discipline and also have patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. The Catechism even teaches us here we have to be ready to receive the discipline of that person who is in authority over us, whether it's the principal of the school, whether it's your mother, whether it's your boss at work who has to correct you because you're showing up for, for work late every morning. He has the right to correct you and you must conform to that discipline or admonition that he gives to you. This is God honoring and this is so necessary. For Paul says it very plainly, bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters. If you're showing up for work all the time, how serious are you really are about serving your, your boss or the company or the school or the business or whatever? God knows what's sincere. He knows what's hypocritical. He knows when you're genuine and when you're sloughing off. He knows it all together. And our work is to be such that, Catechism says, we submit with due obedience to their good instruction and their discipline. Older translation of the Catechism has, and their punishment. 
This all makes sense, doesn't it? To, to keep God's holy law. To do what's right before him. And especially it requires us then to be very patient with them with regard to their shortcomings and their weaknesses. Even when they seem unreasonable, even when they have many faults themselves, nevertheless, this is how far the reach of the commandment goes into all these areas of life where you have to mix with people and work in relationship unto them. But having said that, what then is the great blessing or benefit that we receive when we keep this fifth commandment in third place? Paul says in Ephesians 6 verse 2, he says, Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, and there's that promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. The Apostle Paul here is taking the fifth commandment out of Exodus chapter 20 verse 12 and he's plunking it right here into his epistle and writing it down for our instruction. This is God's promise to you. This is God's blessing to you. When you keep the fifth commandment, it will be well with you and you will live long in the land that the Lord your God has given to you. Simply put, good things are going to happen in your life when you keep this fifth commandment. It might not always be easy to do, but that's beside the point. The point is you want to do what's right before God and then you may also be expecting of his blessings. See again the logic, how sensible God's laws are and how appropriate his blessings are when we live in obedience to his holy will. You see, God does not teach us anything that's bad. He doesn't teach us anything that's unreasonable. He doesn't teach us anything that we would judge and say, well, I can do without that. That's not for me. I'm above that. No, God teaches us what's good, what's sensible, what's right. And as we carry that out, we may expect this blessing from the Lord. It, is, it will be well with you. It will be well with you as you live in obedience to those who are over you. And of course, I just said it a moment ago, I, I reiterate again how much then we need to be patient with their weaknesses. Do those in authority have shortcomings? They sure do. But guess what? So do you. You've got your, your shortcomings too. And if you could disobey them because you say they've got too many shortcomings, well, look yourself in the mirror. You have the same. You've got no leg to stand on if you say, well, I'm not going to obey them because they are too imperfect or they're too evil, or they're too corrupt, or what have you. The Catechism says to obey them since it's God's will. Hey, there we go again, the divine standard. It's God's will to govern us, or to govern through them by their hand. God gave nobody perfect parents, but only sinful ones, yet he chooses to govern us through them. He gives us sinful governments, sinful leaders who must rule over this nation, and we can find many imperfections in their leadership. 
We have an imperfect system of justice as well. And God chooses to work through that at the same time to rule us by their hand. We may look at our teachers in college, university, in, in, in school, and we think, well, they're not so easy to honor either. I really don't like the personality of that teacher. I don't like him, and I'm not going to obey him. No, we can't go that way. Because God still has chosen, it's his will, to govern us by, by their hand. And as we do that congregation, we can't forget the blessing of God of the fifth commandment. It will be well with you, and you will live long in the land which the Lord your God has given to you. Jesus, um, <clears throat> Paul reiterates this commandment at a time when the Caesars were on the throne in Rome. We think, for example, of Caesar Augustus, who was on the throne when Jesus was born, and as he was growing up as a boy, Caesar was on the throne. Well, if you know anything about Caesar Augustus, he was a cruel, brutal man. He was not a nice guy in the least, and would have had the least regard to the Christian faith. And then we think of other Caesars who came after Augustus, Tiberius, and finally Nero, and so forth. And Jesus still said, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. But please don't forget, he also said, give to God the things that are the Lord's. Sometimes we forget about the latter too quickly. Give to God which is God's. And when we do this, then, congregation, in obedience to God and in obedience to that master who rules over us, when we do this in faith, we will be blessed. It's a recipe not for disaster. It's a recipe for blessings from on high, from God himself. Sin, on the other hand, produces misery real quick, but obedience brings happiness and well-being as well because God simply promises it in His Word, and we take His Word at face value. We live by that promise. We may expect the blessing of those promises as we sincerely live before God and think again of that boy, Jesus. We may look to Jesus as an example of his righteous life to pattern that as well. Not on that basis of following his pattern are we saved, of course, but nevertheless that pattern is still there of that perfect boy, of that perfect man who was in submission to those who were over him. It will be well with you and you live long in the land which the Lord your God has given to you. Now that doesn't mean, of course, that every Christian is going to live to be 90 or 100 years old. But it does convey, communicate a biblical teaching, a biblical principle. And that's what we hang on to. There are, of course, always exceptions to the rule, but this is the biblical principle. It will be well with you. And God's favor will increasingly rest upon you as well as you continue in obedience, gratefully, so thankfully, because you're saved from your sins. I'm going to keep this commandment too. And we may expect the favor and the blessing from God. It will be well with you. Thank the Lord, congregation, we not only have a Savior in heaven, we also have a Master who rules us and dispenses His blessings in accordance with His goodness as we live before His face with love 
and honor and in faithfulness to him and those whom he has placed over us as well. Amen.